still not sponsored by Duncan. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. everyone good morning we're starting a little bit early today yeah. i got some appointments got a tight got, tight day got some tight days going on yeah so yeah we got an appointment we're going to get that uh show done just like 15 minutes early 10 <laughs> minutes early uh but thank you for joining us we're glad you're here i'm festive today you are i was going to be festive but i'm like uh, wait i'll wait till december we only have Even though we have the christmas lights on well and we only have a couple more like shows right mm -hmm. this show and the next show i think is the next official or the last official show for the year. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a break. And then we might have a holiday special. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's the morning show. Yeah. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. We're going to talk about woodworking today. First, I want to thank a few people who helped us out. Yay. You ready for this? I'm always ready. Oh, shoot. I'm gonna. They're going to complain about the microphone. Uh, Sorry about that. I had the wrong microphone selected. It, it happens. It happens. Was it a room mic? It was, the, it was the laptop mic, so it probably sounds like garbage, but we're back. Uh, Doug Johnson, Gary Langens, Nathan Lawrence, Troy Shull, and Amenaz S. Oh, I don't know how, I'm not pronouncing that even remotely correctly, but thank, thank you folks you. for helping support the show. Uh, you can support the show too. That's at patreon.com slash woodwhisperer, or if you're on YouTube, there's a little join button. There's a whole memberships thing. It's a lot of fun. You get little stickers, and you could use that in the chat. It's a whole thing, Nicole. Uh, <clears throat> just got a super chat in from Mac Pony Me. I think I said that right. Sure, sounds good to me. Um, and and he or she wants mm -hmm. me to give it. We wants to give a shout out to Nancy Hiller. She's uh she's starting her fight with pancreatic cancer this weekend, oh. and we just want to send our love to you, Nancy. Sure, she's uh she's a talented person. I think she just had a book. Was it with um, Lost Art Press? Mm. They're pushing one of her books. Um, I have to look that up. Yeah, so uh, definitely positive vibes. All going the out. vibes to Nancy. To Nancy today. for sure. Um, what else do we have on the agenda before we get started? Uh, we. Do, do, what happened to the bowls? The, the bowls? I, I forgot to ask you if you had the bowls. They're over there They're on the over corner, there. but I don't know. Do you want to get that now? Well, are, wait, how many shows we have left? One more before okay, the so break. Okay, so maybe we show them then. Okay. Um, A lot of them are holiday relevant. Yeah, too, so. so Holiday times are coming up, and mm -hmm. you might be making stuff in your shop. And uh, I asked John <laughs> to make me some holiday bowls. Well, I was out of from, town. Well, from sort of out of town. <laughs> I was driving down the uh, Brian Benham shop for a couple of days last week, and mm -hmm. while I was there, uh, John was here making some router bowls. It was pretty cool. Uh, we do have a, a sale going on. Oh, yeah, that's right. In the totally Wood Whisperer forgot. store and the Guild store. This is not our Guild project sale. That's coming around Thanksgiving. Thursday. Thursday. Uh, <laughs> But right now we have like physical stuff that's on sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, our templates, uh, card scrapers, uh, I think we've got like notebooks and things in there. Specifically, mm -hmm. I want to show you. Uh, Mom is like, you best show this. You better show this. Because I need to sell some of these. All right, here, let me show you. It's a, <laughs> uh, it's a sweet little notebook. So if you like keeping shop notes, uh, a leather-bound book like this is kind of, it's kind of cool. I really like it. Uh, the funny thing, though, is you know what I use this for? I started off using it for workshop stuff, but then I quickly realized that um, the way that I do my woodworking, everything I do eventually ends up in a formalized plan. So my sort of record keeping on my past projects is a lot more detailed than most people. So I don't need that sort of thing in the shop, but you know where I do need it? Do you know, Nicole? Mm, barbecue. Barbecue. Oh geez, Why the fo it so focus just went out. Oh. Cause I got it on autofocus oh. like a ding dong. Uh, so I have started to keep my recipes in here and I document my entire cooking experience for the various things that I make. And then I reference this. This is huge in barbecue because it's really all about the process and not just simply following a recipe. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been very handy for me. So while I do uh, you know, expect people to use this in their shops, I actually use this in my kitchen. So it's a beautiful leather-bound book. You could buy replacement inserts for this um, on Amazon. We even give you the links to where you can get those fairly cheaply. Uh, and then once you fill one up, you kind of store it to the side. You could put a date on it and then reference it in the future. It's kind of a cool idea. So that's in the store. Mm -hmm. That is 20% off right now. 
Uh, TWWstore.com. TWWstore.com. And mom says these are 40 bucks normally, and they are now 32 with the discount. So high, high quality leather. Yeah, it's beautiful leather. Oh, they are made by our uh, our buddy Mike at uh, Calavera. Calavera, which are always you... reminds me of lotion. Calavera, take me away. Right, or, or yeah, or bath bubbles or something <laughs> like that. Uh, you know what? I wanted to show you guys You're something show else. Show that chocolate piece of chocolate. Yeah, this beautiful piece of chocolate. <laughs> I always, every time I see it, I think it's just a giant piece of chocolate. <laughs> it does look like chocolate. Mm. So Powermatic came to the shop last week. We had a real good time. This and week. Well, this past week is what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm like, you're off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had a great time building a project and doing some like professional filming. And it is the 100-year anniversary of Powermatic coming up here soon. You remember mm-hmm. um, the gold standard since 1921? 1921. Well, now it's 2021. 20, 20, and it's the 100-year anniversary. So this is just a CNC sign that Russell over at Powermatic made. Uh, they wanted to get it here for the photo shoot. And then just mail being what mail is, the timing didn't work out. So this arrived the day after they left. And it's now going to probably adorn our wall back here somewhere. So uh, thanks for the lovely gift, Russell. (laughs) Appreciate that. Uh, But that was made on a CNC. I love it because it's got this extra dimension. We did a CNC thing for the project we were working on. And it was just flat, simple V-carve engraving. This this is a different level. Um, It's actually really really nicely done so i don't know plan cool d stuff. plan d uh woodworks in the chat helped me he said the the notebook is in the guild store oh we didn't bring that over to the tww store no or oh, then why did we highlight that uh, uh it's still on sale it's still on sale it's, it's just, just at the woodwhisperguild.com we have two separate stores right now it's not ideal don't 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 <laughs> Don't bring this stuff up, Nicole. <laughs> we can't solve these problems live on a show. I know, I know. They are problems, though, that need so, yeah, solving. If you're interested in the notebook, you know what? Uh, the slash store slash extras. After this show, I'm going to go bring it over to the free site. And there's a there's an entry for the stickers, too, but I didn't know why it was in draft form, so I didn't touch it. Oh, well, that's that sounds dangerous. Okay, uh, let's get to some questions. All that's right. really what we're here for today, Yeah. to answer questions. Lots of questions. Do you like my shirt? Yeah. I got a whole pile of these guys yeah. and not enough shows to wear them on. Well, you, you know, you can just wear them in life. It's not, it's not, like IRL. <laughs> it's like when a, when a tree falls yeah. in the woods or something, right? You know what mm. I'm talking about. Okay. Adam Hawk says, hey, Mark, what version of SketchUp do you use? I'm on a Mac and I can't use Make anymore because of my Mac version. So I'm stuck with SketchUp Online, which I'm having a hard time adjusting to. First bit of advice I'm going to give you, <laughs> adjust to it. Yeah. Uh, adjust to it, and if you have the extra funds, go check out Brian Benham's project in the Guild. Uh, it is a SketchUp Basics course that was designed around the web-based version. Um, there are some things they've done in there with like even just the icons looking different. Like, Why not just make them the same? I mean, people would, would understand it better if they looked the same. But the functionality is all still there. So it is something I think is worth uh, breaking through that little block that you've got there uh, and, and learn it because it's free. And, um, and the desktop versions are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. What I run is the pro version. I have a pro license. Um, we use SketchUp for so many business-related things. I think it would be kind of, like I don't know, disingenuous if, if I tried to pretend well, that I yeah, wasn't yeah. making you know profit from building things in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have the pro version. But I would highly suggest checking out Brian's uh, SketchUp course. It's It's fairly... I won't say it's like a huge course. It's got a very small scope in what it's trying to accomplish to help you understand how to uh, draft things in that program. Someone had asked me um, if they if they had Pro, would that class be helpful for the Pro? All the tools are the same, right? All the tools, the way you manipulate the tools, those are the same. Some of the shortcuts might change a little bit if you're using keyboard shortcuts. And where the tools are located in the interface might be a little bit different, but... Honestly, when you're using SketchUp, you've got a handful of tools that you use. So once you figure out where they are in both programs, it's, uh, the lesson is totally applicable. And I think he does show Pro in there a couple different times when, when mm-hmm. appropriate, but we did want to largely focus on the free version for that reason, just because it's free. Okie doke. Okie doke. All right. Mark Lo- Lowendorf says, what's your preferred way to make box joints, router, or table saw? I'm making 10 Small storage cabinets and would like to use box joints. Router jig I bought from Rockler is suboptimal quality. Box joints for me, table saw. 
for sure. Um, there's no reason you can't use the router table. It's just never been my preferred way to do it. Um, I find a table saw pretty quick. You could design your own little jig uh, with that, you know, get a little pin that's spaced just the right distance. It takes a little bit of setup time, but you can get it. We've got a video that shows how to do it. I don't know where it is or what it's called, but I know we, we showed it in a video at one point. Um, there is also, if you if you got money to burn, check out Inkra's iBox jig. If you're doing a lot of box joints, oh boy, that thing is nice. That's a real nice jig, uh, but it is expensive. Um, so that might be something to look into. Is that something on Amazon or is it I Rockwire? bet it's on Amazon. Oh yeah, I'm gonna throw it in our Amazon store. Mm -hmm. Hey, where is it at? Is it mm -hmm. that thing right there? It looks like Amazon has it for two twenty nine. Yep. I like the fact that when you click on the iBox jig, right next to it is Where's a you? Wood Whisperer Season. Yeah. I don't know why that's there, but... I don't know. Did you have a video on it? I might have talked about it at some point. Yeah. I don't think I really featured it, per se, but Interesting. I, don't, I don't What do I know? I've been doing this for a long time. All right. I don't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I'll find link. If you're, if you're not familiar, uh, we have a store with Amazon of all the picks that we he's recommended over the years, so yeah. you could spend a lot of time in there. Uh, shop. It's Amazon.com slash shop slash The Wood Whisperer. Okay. So our uh, coolest name award winner of 2020, Zoe Snow, Zoe. says, I've been working with Purple Heart quite a bit lately, and my projects are coming out pretty dull and brown after sanding. Any suggestions on how to get a vibrant purple color? Um, how important is it to get the color back prior to applying the finish? I may have already finished a project before realizing that I probably should have waited until the color returned. Uh, you know, I actually don't work a lot with Purple Heart. So uh, it's been a long time since I've worked with it. In the past, all I did was let it sit for a little bit. Like over time, oxidation, a little bit of UV exposure, uh, these things will bring the color back. It's just initially it gets a little bit dull. Um, so there are other people who really focus on this because they, they work with Purple Heart a lot. And there are some tricks that you can employ. I've seen people use... Um, if it's like a small turning blank, I've seen people actually hit it with a torch with like heat uh, to get it to really punch out that purple. Um, but I think the best article I found is actually James King's website, uh, kingsfinewoodworking.com. He has a article called How to Make Purple Heart Very Purple. And it's a acetone sun treatment. Purpley. Yeah, very purpley. It's a <laughs> lovely purple dress. Very purpley. Uh, Perfect. I know, that's Nicely why. done. I didn't, even, I didn't even make that connection. Uh, so you'd basically hit it with acetone, give it a little bit of sun. So it's between the UV kicking off an oxidation reaction. It's oxidation that's going to uh, cause that color to come back. Now you have to be careful though, because the thing that makes that purple become intense initially, if you get too much UV and too much sun exposure, it hastens it back to brown. All right, so that's what Purple Heart's going to do. It's going to freshly cut, have that brown color be kind of dull, uh, then once you have some UV exposure, a little bit of oxidation, then it purples up. And then over time, it slowly goes back to a boring brown, right? So that's just the life cycle of a uh, purple heart. Anyway, go check out James King's article on that. And I think you will find some good information there. Uh, I was going to say something, but I think I forgot. Uh, oh, I put the iBox jig in there. Um, someone, oh, it was up here. Mm -hmm. It was a nice compliment for Brian. 11B Dawson said, I purchased the SketchUp Clash through the Guild and was designing furniture that same day. It was awesome. really well done and I recommend it. Yeah, I like Thanks Brian's. For the um, yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, I like Brian's approach. Uh, he's very easy to listen to, he's got a good speaking voice. Uh, the whole thing is organized around building a project as if you were actually, you know, mm -hmm. building the project, uh, but you're all, you're doing it all in SketchUp and he shows how to do all of that stuff. So, and he gets when into some stuff that's like way beyond what I would even need. Right. When does his project, his, um, don't know. You don't know. 2021, Nicole. <laughs> what is it again? It's a, it's a table, like a, a little table. side table. A little side table. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right. So Ben Bodner, Dr. Ben Bodner Dr. Esquire <laughs> has a question. He says, is there an easy way? He's not a doctor. I know he's not. Uh, is there an easy way to tell if my rasp is right or left-handed without the packaging? I have a new left-handed large 10G rasp and I've never been impressed with it. It seems much less aggressive than the lefty 13G modeler's rasp. I tried holding the large rasp like a righty and it has more bite. Did I receive a righty rasp without knowing it? You know, I actually meant to pick up my rasps and play with them before the show, but I got, uh, I got busy sawing on something over there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I would suspect that what you're doing is probably a good test, right? The whole idea behind the left-handed and right-handedness of it is as a righty, you're going to grab the handle with your right hand and you're going to maybe stabilize the tip with your other hand and have a push motion and it should cut 
nice and thoroughly. If you switch grips and go the other way, now you're at this angle, you might not get as good of a cut. And that seems to make sense to me. I don't know for sure, but that seems logical and a good way to test it. So it is quite possible, Ben, that you, uh, you do uh, have the wrong one or they sent you the wrong one. But people who use RASP in the chat, is that a pretty solid way to, uh, to confirm left-handedness and right-handedness in RASP? It seems logical to me. But so, I always buy right-handed, so I, I, that's all I have. A.B. Morris in the chat uh, thanked me for recommending a podcast to them, uh, Ake Willow. And uh, they binged it, the whole, uh, the whole thing in a week. And there's like, she's actually getting ready. It's, it's, it's a two people, Amy Frost and J.F. Du, is it Dubois? Dubois? Dubois. Dubois. Uh, he's a writer. He, I'm actually reading a book of his right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called A God in the Shed. But anyway, if you're interested in a podcast that's a storytelling posi- podcast that's kind of spooky and weird, Sounds good. take a look. Um, I'll put a link in the chat. But I, I'm good friends with Amy, and I'm just now getting to know JF. So cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it, A.B. <laughs> Ness says, I'm a right-handed Ness. Get it? <laughs> I said right-handedness. Right-handedness. <clears throat> it's pretty funny. Good. That's good. Okay. Joe Clemmer. Joe Clemmer says, when creating a solid wood tabletop without breadboard ends, do you recommend C-channel stiffener or other methods to help reduce the chance of cupping or warping? You know, this was one of the messages that I really was hoping to drive home with that video, Joe, is that it is almost never necessary to do that to a top. If the top, uh, the panel you've made or the board that you have is stable, it's nicely dried and it's going to be kept in a reasonable, you know, controlled environmental conditions, it's not like it's just going to turn into a potato chip. Um, But, you know, poop happens, right? Things can go wrong. So this is why people like to do a little bit of a belt and suspenders. So to answer your question, no, I don't recommend doing that unless you have a really compelling reason to do it. So if you've got a big giant, you got a hold of a giant slab um, and you're afraid that over time things are going to cup, uh, and cause problems, sure, go ahead and route out for some steel C-channel. Um, you know, there's there's times where we'll make like, uh, let's say like a uh, toy box or a blanket chest. You might put cleats, um, battens or something on the underside of the top to help stiffen that structure, especially because people will sit on these things a lot of times. Um, so those things can help, but I would not call them complete necessities. Uh, maybe something if I were doing some kind of big wide table outdoors, Uh, That might be a reason. But again, that breaks the rule that I said. That's conditions that aren't totally controlled, right? So no, don't don't think you have to do that at any time. But if there are reasons why you think you should, you suspect this tabletop is going to be a problem, then go ahead, look into some of those options. Uh I mean, it's a belt and suspenders thing. It can't hurt to add them unless someone like has a problem when they look under it and they see a piece of steel or something, and you don't like that, that could be problematic, but most people aren't doing that. So Zoe said she just got a 100-watt uh, UV light yesterday, and she's been playing around with it. Cool. Uh, Anthony. You get a suntan, too, while Lucivero. Ahoy! Question about Mark's dust collection system. Mm-hmm. In the shop tour video, he shows the magnetic hookups. Uh, any product links and or thoughts on their effectiveness? Thanks. They do what they're supposed to do. They're What's just, a, what is it? I can't remember the name of them. They are quick disconnects made with, um, you know, rare earth magnets punctuating the, uh-huh. the circumference, uh-huh. and they pop together. Uh, I remember somebody sent those to us. Yeah, I think the gentleman that made them, I think first did like a CNC oh, printing of yeah. them, uh, sent me some prototypes, and they've been great. I just can't remember, and I guarantee you someone in the chat knows yeah. what we're talking about. Um, like, it but, goes... <clears throat> yeah, it just snaps together. <laughs> Incredibly effective. I've had them on there for years now, and I would not really use any other type of quick disconnect. They're, uh-huh. they're, you just kind of give them a little bit of a twist and a pull, and they pop off. The, so. the, is the name brand on them? Mm, those mm-hmm. are early ones, and I yeah, don't know that he branded much at that time. Uh, I wonder if he's watching. If you're watching! Someone in the chat room has yeah, got to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're like It's a gray... I'm not even going to describe it. It's, right. it's gray and white. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> You'll be able to find it. Um, we'll look for it, though. Okay. I'm making a hope chest. Did you add this one in there or did I miss that? Okay. I don't remember reading this this morning. I'm making a hope chest for each of my great granddaughters, two with one on the way. The first one I made was a spalted hackberry walnut 
uh, and using the Green and Green Guild plans. The second one will be out of hard maple and more of a traditional New England style, but I'm designing in a bowed or curved front. Oh, that sounds awesome. I got some ideas on how I'm going to create this curved panel, but how would you go about it? <laughs> I don't know, you're making it. <laughs> I'm not making it. Uh, let me keep reading. I don't have a domino, but I do have a biscuit jointer and bending the boards, how do you make sure that they'll align at glue up? Well, anytime you make a bent panel or any kind of bent board, you, you kind of have a couple different ways to go about it. There's steam bending. This is a big panel. I don't know that that's appropriate here. Uh, you have lamination techniques, right? So bent lamination is certainly one of those things. Uh, third option is to get something that's so thick that you can kind of hollow it out to create your curve. It just creates a lot more waste. Um, I would probably look more into some kind of lamination technique. And the idea being you are conforming to some kind of uh, bending form. And that bending form establishes the shape. Magport. Right? Magport. There it is. So if you are doing that kind of process, uh, everything should be fairly consistent. And a lot of times you can actually use the bending form itself as a jig to allow you to kind of clean up the edges and clean up the sides or edge your joinery to the sides. So that, that's how I would go about it. But uh, without more information on exactly what we're building here, it would be difficult for me to, to give a really exact recommendation. I'll put the link to Magport in the chat. <clears throat> Magport.net. That is good. That's the product. That's it, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. There you go. It's, yeah, it's oh, it's, ma it's made in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, yeah. That's kind of cool. They were really, really expensive when you first made them, but we're talking about small production right. numbers. Um, but he has gotten his prices down. You can get um, a 10 piece. Significantly ten, less. 10 of them uh, for 73 bucks. Oh, no, no, no. It's a 10 piece Magport starter oh, set. Starter I don't kit. think you get 10 of them. Oh. I think there are 10, ten pieces. Oh, there's of 10 pieces. Things <laughs> in this. One, two, three. And then they're like the little dilly dollies. Which may be one tool or right. two tools, right? right? So, okay. Chris Kalnassi says, I said that weird. Chris Kalnassi says, hey, good buddy. Just curious if you have anything to help manage several projects at once. I know you usually focus on one at a time uh, for the most part, but I've seen where you have plenty of happening or plenty happening too. With the holidays here, I have lots of gifts, commissions, uh, as well as normal projects. So plenty of things in various stages scattered throughout the shop. Thanks. Well, I gotta say, one of the best ways to stay organized is to use a Wood Whisperer leather-bound notebook. You're so silly. Right? You, you never get disorganized when you write things down. Um, yeah, I don't, even though it looks like I'm doing a lot of different things, very rarely am I working on more than one thing at once. I, I tend to work on it, finish it, and move to the next thing as fast as possible. Because I am not that organized, um, I tend to focus like a laser, and then once I get the job done, I completely forget about this thing and focus like a laser over there. Uh, and I don't deal well with it. How, I mean, let, let me ask Nicole, how well do I deal with situations where I have like a guild project no, no, no. edit to worry oh, about? He crumbles. He crumbles. I He's question like, whether I'm in the right line of work. Cute. <laughs> I decide that maybe I'll get, I'll like start cutting hair for a living or He's something. A, you are definitely a start and, and see it to the finish mm -hmm. before your brain can go on to the next thing. Even when there are things outside of what you're doing, it's like, okay, he's very focused on that thing right now. I probably shouldn't bring this thing up until yeah. he's like mentally ready for it. Ready for it. Yeah, I think some people are better at multitasking than I am, but for me, multitasking is a lie. If I try to focus on two things at once, I will do two things less than I would be able to do them if I were doing them separately. Mm -hmm. So I'm much better uh, completing a task, finishing it 100%, then moving to the next task. And that's just how I would work. So I recommend that you don't work on multiple things at once. It, like the only reason to, that I see that's a logical reason to do that is if you're waiting for finish to dry on something and you've got extra time, then you could start the next thing and have that in process while this other thing's finishing. But the finishing process is not one that takes a lot of brain power, so it shouldn't be hard to multitask. If you're multitasking, a lot of people do it because they have an attention focus problem and they have trouble staying on task on one thing because they get distracted by this other thing. You got to work on that. I think it's way better to just finish it and move on to the next thing. <laughs> uh, got a couple super chats that came in. Kevin uh -huh. Windsor. Uh, left a super chat and said the left and the right hand at RAS has nothing to do with which, which hand you use. The right hand at RAS cuts smoothly when pushed on a diagonal to the right. I don't know what, what were you talking about RAS? Yeah, I, know, okay. I was. 
<clears throat> yeah, but isn't that also where the right-handedness comes from? If you are, if he's saying to push it, uh, it cuts smoothly when pushed on a diagonal to the right, mm. right? Well, that's the way you're not going to use it. So I, I do think it has to do with the directionality and the handedness. I, I don't understand how that, how that goes against what we were talking about. Because you're going to hold it in your right hand. Right. You're not going to hold the handle in your right hand and then twist this way. Yeah. You're going to go this way. And a left-handed person is going this way. So Millie's, Millie's over there moaning. She's like having a, a nice time. <laughs> anyway, I mean, if you want to clarify that a little bit, but what you described sounds like a handedness situation mm, and a yeah, directionality. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do it. It's fine. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Evan Mentz. Whatever. <laughs> Mentz did a super chat, and I'm looking for your question, Evan. I'll keep looking. Mm. Oh, there it is. I just wanted to say thank you for the free plans for the MCW table. What's that? MCM table. Oh, what's that? Mid-century modern. Oh, oh, oh. Your brother's table, oh, I think. Oh, I just finished building it. My girlfriend loves it, and it's Good. gotten many compliments. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. Good to hear. Thanks. Stumptown Woodworks says, I have a project, coffee station, where it's essentially a small cabinet on legs with a marble top. But the cabinet surrounds the marble top on the sides and the back, keeps things from falling off. Excuse me. Two edges of the walnut ply will be exposed. So I'm edging them with eighth inch walnut strips. What's your preferred method for flushing up a small, uh, page break, a small amount of edging like this? Does it change based on how much you have to do? And if it matters, my edging will meet at the corner. Probably try to do a miter joint. Well, if I just have a couple of panels, I'm probably just going to do it very manually. Uh, leave a little bit proud on both sides. Hit it with a card scraper. I like to tape one side of my card scraper so it doesn't gouge the plywood. And then just kind of work it down from there. If you have a lot of proud material, go ahead and use a block plane. But you want to stop earlier than later with the block plane because the block plane can easily gouge into the plywood veneer layer, which is... Bad news. Uh, so I just scrape it, sand it, and then call it done. Uh, resist the urge to sand it early because as you're trying to hit that little tiny edge, it's inevitable that you're going to kind of tip in and hit your panel. So I only sand at the very, very last moment when I'm almost perfectly flush. If I have a lot of it to do, yeah, I will change the way that I do it. I might just do a flush trim bit with a router. There are lots of cool techniques for uh, running panels across the table saw with a um, like a raised fence, right? So you put the fence in line with the left side of the blade and then you could run your piece along that raised fence and it just trims right along that edge. So quite a few ways to do the trim in a more production type environment. But I will change it if I have a lot to do. Uh, we did the outfeed table cabinet, which had a bunch of three quarter inch edge, edge banding on it. And we did a router for that one. Just if I gouged a little bit, I didn't really care. Uh, but if you do it carefully, you shouldn't have any gouging issues. Got a question here <coughs> from Todd Allen. I have a question. Have you found a Denver area source for hardwoods, maple, walnut, cherry, domestic, for exotic, for exotics, especially Baltic birch plywood? It's funny because short, just recently, uh, Mar uh, Mario also says, I lived in, live in Aurora. I was wondering which hardwood de dealer you favor. Um, so in the Denver area, Austin, right? Austin Hardwoods. Austin Hardwoods. They got everything. They got it all. I mean, they, they even have a decent uh, supply of exotics. If you go, uh, it's not in the warehouse. If you go in the showroom area where you pay, um, they've got a pretty nice selection of uh, decent exotic material. Uh -huh. But of course, all the domestics Do you can need, Baltic all the plywood. Birch? They have Baltic birch they, I, they, I just bought some Baltic oh, birch. They, they, their stuff is like Russian birch. It's a terminology uh -huh. thing. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, I never remember. People tell, like, you can get the whole rundown on the differences between <laughs> them and what they are, uh, but I never remember. But they so, call it Russian birch. Check out Austin Hardwoods. <clears throat> They're, uh, they only have the one location or do they have two locations? Uh, they have one. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, Austin Hardwoods. Off Mississippi Avenue. <clears throat> Sawdust Factory says, can you enable the chat comments for the playback after replied. the show? It is enabled. Right, but we don't always have control right. over whether it displays. Yeah. YouTube seems to do what it wants to do. And yeah. sometimes it be, it does what we think it's going to do and sometimes not. <laughs> but we never hide them. We, we like those being uh, present for the live shows. Mm -hmm. Kind of makes you feel like you're watching it live. Uh, Nigel asks, if you would be happy with a .01370 error on a crosscut sled. <laughs> I think I know the answer. Sure. 
Sounds good. I don't know. It's math. Uh, my, if you can get it better, get it a little bit better. Sometimes with these things, I need to, the way I like to envision error is to know it over a certain distance, right? So if you tell me that you are 0 0.003 over 24 inches, I'm going to tell you to stop, right? What you gave me is a number, but no length reference. So what that error is, it really depends on how long of a piece we're talking about. How wide was that board when you cut it that that error represents? Because that amount of error could be, you know, kind of problematic if we're talking over a short distance. But if, it, if that error is over maybe 24, 30 inches, then it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, so again, I, I need a little bit more information, but I tend to be, if you can easily adjust it and get it a little bit better, then why not, right? It, but if it's really causing you frustration and you've been at this for a day and you're not getting any better, then stop. It's fine. And just start doing some woodworking. <laughs> there you go. You have any more Patreon questions? Or are I do. you caught up? I do. I have some more questions too. I got a Randy Green over here. Randy Green. He says, you mentioned in your book, Hybrid Woodworking, that you started with a craftsman contractor saw and upgraded the fence. Could you elaborate on this? Great book, by the way, he says. Thank you. Thank you very <laughs> hey, much. it's on sale. So, in TWW store. Is it though? It I is. don't know if the books are on sale. I thought it was. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, Careful, Nicole. Careful. I, at least the bundle is. Careful. I sent you a link. You? Okay. Oh, the hardback book is on sale. The hardback book. And that's not hybrid. Oh, and that's essential joinery. <laughs> the, you can get hybrid woodworking on sale if you bundle it with essential joinery. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I saw. Okay. So I, I'm going to put a link in the, the chat here. This is the Vega fence. Um, so yeah, on the Craftsman, the problem with a lot of the contractor saws is they have a weird proprietary fence rail on there. And if you don't replace the rail, you can't just like pop a new system on there or put a new fence that just engages with it. So fortunately on that craftsman that I had, it's very easy to get the uh, standard rail off of there and go to something else. So Vega at the time was like one of the only games in town that made a decent, uh, nicely locking fence, had a, a round rail that you just attach with brackets to the saw. I can't remember if I had to, to drill holes or tap holes. I don't know. Well, it probably didn't tap anything back then because I didn't know what taps were. Um, so I may have had to drill a couple of holes. I don't know. Uh, but you attach this new rail to it and it just, it, it was a game changer. And I actually really, really like the Vega fence for those, you know, contractor portable style saws if you can get it on there. Maybe not so much portable, contractor style. You know what I'm talking about. The ones with legs. Uh, <clears throat> Apo Apina made me laugh. He goes, books have so many words. They do. And I was like, so many. So many that they tell you you write too much. Mm -hmm. You write too much. You Did write you know that? Much. You write too much. That's a, like an Amazon review. <laughs> this guy uses too many words. <laughs> what do you think I bought this book for? Uh, uh, okay, Joe Ferrone. Okay. He says, greetings, good buddy. So, what's in your apron these days? air and sawdust yeah they're sitting over there um I, I still battle with myself i want to wear an apron i love aprons i like the idea and the, the concept of an apron i think the problem was one when i moved to arizona or in arizona it was, it was just too hot right so i got out of the habit of wearing aprons uh but i think almost more importantly um dealing with a microphone a lot of times i feed a microphone up through my shirt like I have right here, comes out, clips on the front. Um, but trying to get that all to work with an apron on top of it, it just becomes a little cumbersome. So I've got, as much as I love my Calavera apron and as much as we, you know, sell these aprons, um, people love them. They're fantastic, high quality aprons. Uh, don't let the fact that I don't use mine, you know, be a reflection on whether you should look into wearing an apron. Aprons are fantastic. Uh -huh. um, it sounds like you know that because you're asking what's in mine, so... <laughs> Nothing, though, unfortunately. I wish uh, I had more. John Crawford wants to know, how often do you fully design projects in SketchUp? I'm working on a hobby desk idea, and I feel like I'm stuck constantly playing in SketchUp instead of building. I only do as much as I need to do. Uh, SketchUp sometimes will help me answer questions about proportions. It'll help me answer questions about joinery details. But do I go, you know, if I'm doing a table... Do I model out all eight mortise and tenon joints? No, I only need one, right? Uh, so I don't really do the whole thing. Now, we do wind up completely modeling, but that's after I pass the project over to Brian, and Brian does it because we're going to be distributing these things. If I were just kind of left to my own devices without publishing plans, 
all of my SketchUp plans would look really weird, right? Because I'm solving little problems. I would have, here's a top with a profile on it. Over here is a leg and you'll see a mortise in it. And then there's a rail and there's one tenon, but the rest of the rails don't have tenons. The rest of the legs don't have mortises. Uh, it would be very disjointed. And if I can't draw it, if it's a real complex curved shape or something, if I can't draw it, I'm just not going to put it in there. Sometimes there are just questions that I need to answer in the shop, right? So for your own purposes, don't stress about doing a full SketchUp drawing if you don't need to. Only sketch what you need to sketch to answer the questions that allow you to go into the shop and start building. <laughs> Black Goat Woodworking says... Um, I don't think your full moving the glue line video is out yet, or I've missed it. That was a mom's dining table. So no, it is not out yet. I was wondering if you can give us some rough idea on how oversized you made the stock. Oh, didn't I do a, um, a YouTube members video on that though? Remember we're talking about moving the glue line. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure if you're a, a YouTube member with the extra content. Or Patreon too. Didn't you put it I on put Patreon? it on Patreon too. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that that's up there. It's just an excerpt that I did to show how we move that glue line. Anyway, but you could still wait for the other stuff. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, what do you say? I'm wondering if you can give us some idea on how you oversized the stock. I'm looking at building Anne's writing desk as a Christmas present and would like to use that trick for the legs as opposed to buying 10 quarter stock since the legs are two inches square. How big does the glue up need to be? I don't know. And here's how I figure it out though you have limits on the kind of material that you can get, right? So instead of going, I have a two inch leg, how thick does the blank need to be? Think about what your blank can be. Most of the time, if you have two pieces of eight quarter coming together for a leg, you can only, at best, you're gonna get one and three quarter inches for each piece, right? So that's three and a half inches for the total thickness. Then you're gonna turn that a few degrees and look at that glue line and then readjust your square based on what is available in the blank. So start with a three and a half inch square, rotate your leg, what is it, 90 degrees, and then see what you can get out of that. It's very easy to work that out with a, a ruler and a pencil. I don't know the number off the top of my head. But that's where you're starting, right? So as long as you could fit that two inch leg within the blank created by two eight quarter pieces, you should not need to do a whole lot more math than that. Got a question here from Oscar Oscar. Have you heard and others talk about blotchiness in cherry when finishing. Yet in cherry bowls I've made, it's uh, it's hard to notice. What gives planning flat work projects out of cherry? I'm sorry. I was distracted by a question about my beard. Yeah, don't worry about it. What? Where is it? Right, right. there. But you, you've got 20 questions in a row <laughs> yeah. with like size 10 font. <laughs> You gotta give me a little clue here. <laughs> right here, I heard you and others talk about blotching this in cherry uh -huh. when finishing. Yet in cherry bowls that he's made, he doesn't notice it. So what okay. gives? I don't worry about it. Some people worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I've said this before, um, Glenn Huey had an article, uh, I think it was in Pop Woodworking or maybe just on his website, that was like, cherry blotches, get over it. Yeah. So you could fight it, you can do all kinds of things to uh, prevent it from happening. Sometimes it happens more on some boards, less on other boards, but in the end, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle and it's wood. So you either embrace it or you start to do, you know, blotch prevention uh, measures, which can be effective. And if that's the way you like, the, if that's the kind of look you're going for, then, then absolutely go for it. But honestly, if you don't see it and it doesn't seem to be a problem, then it's not a problem. Got it? Got it. Adam wants to know, what's the best way to fasten an insert panel? I have my veneered pattern panel for my coffee table and dropping it into my two by two frame, thinking of bracing it around the edges. Well, you could just use biscuits, dominoes, dowels. Uh, you could probably just do a glued in rabbit joint. Shouldn't, you shouldn't have to do too much. It's a captured panel, it's not going anywhere. So even just a little bit of glue sitting down in a ledge would be enough. Okay. Uh, let's see, Leslie wants to know, hi, I'm new to woodworking and I've noticed for case work, plywood mm -hmm. is used and hardwood is used for face framing. Can you do the same for a coffee table or is that the type you would need hardwood? Which, uh, when do you use which? Thanks. It depends on you. Yep. Plenty of coffee tables out there are made from plywood. Plenty of coffee tables are made from solid wood. <coughs> Excuse me, most of the time, with casework, modern furniture is going to be made from some kind of sheet good because it's more practical. 
everything's already thickness. Just think about a basic cabinet, right? You've got a top, two sides, and a bottom, and then a door. If you make that all out of solid wood, you got a lot of milling to do, you got panel glue-ups to do, you got thicknessing to do, then you gotta cut them all down to size. Make that out of plywood, it's all the same thickness already, you just, you know, chart out your cuts, cut them to size, and then put everything together. Um, so it's a matter of practicality and expedience when you're using, um, you know, building stuff for modern furniture. The trick is plywood often looks like plywood, have very thin veneer on the top. It's, it's almost too consistent across the, the board, the panels. So, you know, it's just a matter of what kind of look you want and then designing the piece of furniture uh, to accommodate the type of material that it is. Obviously the solid wood is gonna move in expansion and contraction and the plywood is not gonna move as much. So as long as you know what you're doing with the design, you can go either way. Um, I would say most coffee tables that you're gonna see a woodworker build, you're gonna find those mostly out of solid wood, uh, just because it's an opportunity to let a top float, you don't have to worry about it being blocked in, but very design dependent because there's no reason you can't use plywood on something like that. Just got a super chat in <clears throat> from Doug. Okay. Let you uh, answer that. Alrighty. <laughs> he says, looking at adding a second router table to my small shop, can you easily take the LS positioner on and off? Yeah, as long as there's not a bit there, you could yeah. release Yeah. <laughs> you could release the arm on the back that locks it in place, and I'm pretty sure you could just slide that thing right out. There there might be I've never taken it out, so I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of a stop there to prevent it from coming all the way out, but to my knowledge, you could pop that thing right out and move it to another one. What you don't do is move the bracket. So there's a bracket that gets screwed down to your top that gets this thing positioned where you want it. So if you're going to interchange the LS positioner from one table to another, I think you'd have to see about buying a second bracket. So maybe they sell those separately, I don't know. But you would need that bracket attached to the other top and then you could just slide the arm back in and the fence would move from one to another. So I don't know if that would accomplish what you're looking for. <clears throat> oh, hold on. Emer Henry says, thumbs up everyone. Thumbs up. Smash it. <laughs> I like you guys. I like your style. Okay, what else? Oh, uh, hold on. Oh, oh, oh. Nicole? Yeah. Scott says you're underpaid. I agree, Scott. I beg to differ. <laughs> Nicole and I both make equally little money. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I got one more from Jack. Okay. Jack. Jack Dalby says, I spend a lot of time on the couch these days. You and Millie. I'll tell you. That girl can spend <laughs> some right, time on the couch. right over there. Okay. Um... Okay, so Jack's using his laptop to draw up plans by hand. With so many folks doing online schooling, have you considered designing a lap desk for the 21st century student? I've uh, seen many shaker designs and writing laptop desks, but how would you approach it today? I don't know. I'd have to think about it, Jack. Why don't you tell me what you want to see in a lap desk? I like the idea of a lap desk, and I think doing one is definitely in our future, but I think I would need to know what are people looking for. Do you want a little bit of storage? Uh do you want something with a soft bottom? Like yes. you've seen those, those simple, like, cause it, like they, they put like a pillow on it yeah. or like a foam bead mm -hmm. pillow. But I do like the one that I picked. I don't even know where I picked it up, but it has the metal rails and it, and it kind of has the, you know, you've used it before. Yeah. And it has the thing that lifts the thing. I want one with like <laughs> shielding so I don't radiate my gonads. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. So you want like a, a two inch I'm gonna put steel. A, yeah, Between. a two-inch steel plate <laughs> and a couple sheets of aluminum foil. <laughs> also one for my head. Uh, and that will protect my lap. But yeah, honestly, let me know what features you might be looking for that would make this modern. Because sometimes the classics just work. Yeah. Right? If you're looking at a laptop desk with a little bit of storage, the classic, what is it? Is it Jefferson? I forget. There's a classic thing that it's one of the president's names uh, that, that is, you know, with a little dovetailed sides and everything like that. Mm. Right. And it's got a little bit of an angle. These are all applicable for typing on a laptop as they were for writing. Sure. But let me know. Let me know what, what you think. <clears throat> Fred said, so would you agree that attempts to minimize the appearance of blotching can often end in blotching? No. Like if I, you're trying to minimize the blotch. If you're, you're trying to minimize the blotch. No, if you're trying to minimize the blotch and you're doing it correctly, yeah. what happens is you minimize the blotch. <laughs> if you are trying to do blotch control and, and you get more blotch, you've done it wrong. Yeah. Right? The idea behind minimizing <laughs> blotch is you kind of even out the absorption by blocking absorption. So if you're trying to put a stain on it, 
you just get less stain um, penetration into the surface, but it's more even, mm -hmm. right? But if you get more blotching, then you're doing something wrong. So I just, Plan D says, step one, stop using overheating Max. Hold up, because I have a gaming PC and that thing is so hot. You could boil an egg on that thing. <laughs> it's like, it's way, way hotter than my Mac. No, actually, the only reason I have a Mac um, is for live streams and work yeah. stuff, but I, I very rarely work on this laptop when I'm doing actual work. Mm. Laptop is not my preferred device anyway. I'm sitting at a desktop, so yeah. I don't know. What you talking about? What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like, I like this question from Scott uh, Walsh. He says, any interest in branching out horizontally in your business? Metalworking or carpentry or lumber milling? I'm branching out horizontally, Nicole. Okay. <laughs> um, not really. Um, I have a limited set of goals in yeah. life. He likes things simple. I don't aspire to do much. You, what you're Honestly, describing sounds like more work. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because it's usually you're comfortable and I'm like, no, 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 let's. And you're like, eh. I'm like. I'm, if I'm going to branch out as a business, I'm going to hire people to yeah. help me branch out and then learn as I go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I wanted to do more with CNC, you know what I would do? I'd say, hey, John, let's do, let's do some more mm -hmm. with CNC. Because mm -hmm. he loves the stuff. Like that's, his, that's the thing he likes to do. Yeah. So uh, I, I like to stick with the things that I like. You know, I don't see myself branching out. I also don't have a situation here that allows a lot of safe branching out. What I mean by that is every decision we've made with the business, yeah. while you know the initial decision to start the business was definitely not safe, um, since then we've made very smart, safe decisions being like, you know, we can start this thing, but if it doesn't work, we can quickly back out without much loss, right? Sure, sure. Well, we have a house now that's like on a postage stamp lot yeah. where the house takes the whole thing up. There's yeah. like, there's no room for extra buildings. There's no room for we're, extra storage. We're not Cremona. We are not Cremona. Happy. Yeah, we are not on the Cremona homestead farm. <laughs> uh, I would actually have to go into commercial space. Uh, I think if we were to do anything yeah. beyond this. Yeah. And that's certainly a possibility in the future. Um, but I would say right now, and I don't, I don't think I want to go down that path. I, I want to maximize what I do with this limited thing mm -hmm. whatever this i will is. say in our denver group on facebook there's all there's usually a couple times a year somebody going hey i have some extra space available in my commercial space if anybody runs wants to rent yeah so i always see that stuff so there's always a possibility you could partner with somebody locally sure to get us you know more affordable yeah. space and but it, it, it my way of experimenting is always like a very safe way yeah. right and having a lease or having to buy a new building or something sure. like that starts to feel very unsafe, and I, I don't like that idea. I'm wimpy. I'm a wimpy businessman. <laughs> uh, Scott did a super chat. Do you see a super chat? Keep on scrolling. Keep oh, on it's, it's scrolling. It's already, you're already past Botching, it. botching, blotching, blotching. Blot, blot. Um, I don't see it. I see Stumptown saying that my Rubio obsession is perfectly justified. <laughs> Keep going. That's good news. <laughs> it's right there. It's highlighted. <clears throat> oh, super chat. Super chat. Is there a better smelling finish than Rubio? Two, how can my wife, or how can I get my wife to wear it as a perfume? Three, <laughs> is it weird to like the smell of Rubio this much? Yes. In fact, it took me a while to warm up to the smell of Rubio. I didn't like it for the really? longest time. Yeah, so the smell of Rubio, I've said this before, reminds me of um, uh, tobacco, raw tobacco. So like if you go into a smoke shop where they're, they're not actively smoking and burning things, th the smell of raw tobacco or what processed tobacco, whatever mm -hmm. it is unsmoked tobacco yeah yeah that's what rubio smells like to me and i can't stand that smell it's one of those things that i immediately just go boom so i don't love the smell but i have gotten used to it and now when the smell of rubio is in the shop i'm like oh, okay that's it's not entirely unpleasant anymore uh and i also find that when i finish with rubio maybe it's like the buffing process or uh, how much time i'm physically spending with it but i almost feel like my skin has a coating on it i got a shower like as soon as i finish working with rubio all that said it's great and if you want to douse your wife with it that's perfectly fine i'm sure she'll love it i'm sure she'll have words what you got to do is you got to be like hey honey have a little bit on your finger and just go you she'll think you're tickling her ear you're like hey stop it but you've actually and then just she's gonna go you just dabbed a little I bit of a, a shower <laughs> A little bit of Rubio, part A, <laughs> behind her ear. It can't be good. Uh, she'll love it. Uh, okay, yeah. what else? All right. Uh, 
Got a question here. Oh, another super chat just came in. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, this one, John Bryant says, uh, just recharging the good buddy batteries. <laughs> thanks oh. for all you both do. Well, thanks, good buddy, thanks, John, John Bryant. Look at John's picture. Anytime I see someone with just, all I get is their face and a collar. Yeah. I'm like, insurance guy. Right? <laughs> Businessman. Businessman. Yep. <laughs> Businessman, I'm crushing your head. <laughs> all right. Anything uh, else? One more question from uh, Jim <clears throat> Rumsey. Hi, Mark and Nicole. What is your opinion of using power tools that have been through a fire? I recently had a shop fire and some tools appear to be fine. Would it would like um, smoke or soot coat wires? Uh, this is an area that I am not comfortable giving you advice. You might need to talk to your insurance guy. I mean, as soon I'm as... Sure he's probably... If you have a condition where like a couple of tools are next to each other, one is clearly fire damaged and unusable and the next one is not, it is possible to think that this one could have some damage that uh, won't show itself until later and mm. could be a liability uh, to use. I'm not in a position to tell you how to make that determination. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I, wouldn't I would be nervous yeah. to use anything that had uh, extreme heat? soot and heat exposure. You could have things where contacts have melted and they're just oh, still yeah. barely touching and it might slip off at some point or break off. It, that's it. it makes me uncomfortable. Um, sorry to hear that, uh, but I would definitely do some research. And if you're going to use these things, just try to be as safe as possible. And how to do that, I don't know. But that's that's not a fun position to be in. John says business, yes. Insurance, no. He's in software sales. I used to be in software sales. I was going to say software sales. Yeah. That, that was going to be my second guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anything else? I think we should wrap this up and then head on over to Actually, the after show. Harry brings up a good point. You might, it may not be worth it depending on the tool, but he says to go and get it tested. Well, can you get them tested? Well, I think to get it tested means either take it to a repair shop, yeah. have them to, you know, look it over, give it a cleaning, or even talk to the manufacturer and see if, you know, maybe as part of a warranty service, you could have it sent in and just inspected. I have a feeling though, with certain tools, especially if they're out of warranty, it's going to be hard to do if they even say yes at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and it may not be worth it, you know, for the cost of the tool and what they might charge you to do a service like that. You're not really sure. Stumptum has a good point. <clears throat> you could have melted insulation on a wire and you can't see it. Yep. So that's why it's, you, it's, you uh, get inspect it. No fun, man. All right. Uh, anything else? There's always something else. Okay. Do well, you want to stop the nope, show? We got, well, we got a doctor's appointment to worry about. <laughs> yeah, that's why we started early. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for watching, everybody. Thank you. Uh, remember that sale is at the Wood Whisperer store, twwstore.com, as well as the woodwhispererguild.com yep. slash store. Yep. Uh, both places will have various things because we're disorganized. What can I say? <laughs> I'm Go put, check them both out. I'm going to put the Patreon after show up um, in, in the chat. Uh -huh. So you can head on over there. We'll be there in a second. Uh, if you're a YouTube member, it's under the community tab if you'd like to join us. You can watch it later. But if you want to hang out, if I, didn't, if I didn't get your uh, question answered uh, here, I'll definitely answer it there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sounds good. It. Well, have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and we will see you in the after show. Bye. No, it's not the last one for, for the year. No, we got one more. One more.